Hey, good morning, everybody. Wow, that was that was not really big. <laughs> hey, man, one uh, missed you guys last week. We uh, were out of town and really appreciate Terry teaching. We had plans of going to a church that a friend of mine is a pastor at. And uh, woke up late because the house we were staying at lost power and internet, so we couldn't even tune in. So it's like, well, I hope everything went well. But um, it looks like it was great. And man, what a good morning already. Just to be able to celebrate baptisms, to look around. And if it's your first time with us, this is not how it normally looks in here. Um, and I am very thankful for very creative people that came in and got it set up this week for VBS. Like they said earlier, if you haven't registered your kids for VBS yet, Make sure you do that today so we have a good idea. I have to do that when I get home. Um, all right, so over the summer, we've just kind of been walking through some ideas of, hey, there are things within Christianity, things within our faith that we probably could learn a little bit more about. At the very core of that sits God. Like this desire within believers, this desire within people to want to know more about who is this God, what is he about, what makes him God, is kind of central to who we are, right? Right? Like that's kind of one of the things we come to church every week and we hope that we grow in our relationship with him. We experience him for the first time maybe. And we wonder like, why is that important? As we grow in our faith, as we learn more about who God is and what he is about and his mission and his plan, our worship gets ramped up. Like, and so I hope we have a desire to learn more about God, that we desire him. I remember being a young seminary student, and I, I wanted to learn more about God. And so at the time, there was this minister that was traveling around, and he had this message on God. And uh, me and a bunch of my friends, we, we bought tickets. That was the first probably sign that something was amiss. Um, but we bought tickets to a sermon. And we go, and we sit in this huge amphitheater that's in the Grand Prairie area, and uh, it's this message called, the gods aren't angry, and the curtain goes up, and Rob Bell walks out. Uh, <laughs> I heard someone say, oh, no. <laughs> if you don't know who Rob Bell is, that's good. That's, <laughs> keep it that way. Um, at the time, he was pretty popular, though, and I went, and I listened to this message on God to gain a better understanding, and he walked around in this very strange choreographed walk and he talked about cave woman and caveman and a plant and the stars in the sky and all this kind of stuff and about how God's not angry or gods aren't angry and all this kind of stuff and he finished the message and he he said the last line and he repeated the last line he repeated the last line and the curtain went down and some people clapped and I just went that was weird like that was my first experience with that's weird um I want us to grow in knowledge of God in a good biblical healthy way and so this morning, we're just going to look at Scripture. We're going to look at what God says about himself within it. Because so many times, like, if I'm a movie nerd, like, a lot of movies, you have, like, this idea of an origin story. Like, you start to, you learn about how this character became this character. They've done it, like, 800 times with Batman. Um, God doesn't have an origin story. Like, there's no montage playing where he's learning stuff and he's growing and suddenly he's God. Like, God has no origin story. What we learn about God is that he is all-powerful in every aspect. And through that, our worship soars. And so this morning, this is kind of part one. We're going to spend a couple weeks on this. This morning, we're just going to cover what's known as the omnis, the alls. Um, we're going to learn a lot that God is, in fact, all. So we'll jump in this morning. The first one is a word called omnipotence. Omnipotence means that God is literally just all-powerful. In Psalm 135, 5 and 6, it says this, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does 
in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all depths. So many times when we think about all-powerful, we strictly think about it from a world standpoint. We think of some great ruler, some great king, some great dictator, whatever it may be. And yet God is so far beyond that. See, his extends into the heavens. A hundred million light years from here, there's some asteroid or something. And God is the creator of that. In fact, I was looking this week on a rough guesstimate, and I'll, I'll give them the rough guesstimate. If you were to try and give the number of atoms that make up the known universe, it's 10 to the 82nd power. That's a 10 with 82 zeros behind it. It's a fairly large number. It's kind of a guess, but again, it's a guess. And there's not one atom in all of that that God doesn't look at and say, it's mine. I created it. I rule over it in absolute perfect sovereignty. Every last one of them. That's how powerful he is. Also this week as I was studying, I heard something, I apologize, I usually like to cite things, but they were talking about the chances, a group of scientists putting together the chances of random proteins and all this kind of stuff just happenstancing forming life. And they said the chance of that is greater than the number of atoms in the known universe. It takes more faith not to believe in God than to believe in him. Because we know nothing comes from nothing. Like, you, nothing just spontaneously happens. Like, an animal doesn't just poof, appear. And yet, God is powerful enough to do that. Psalm 115.3, it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. I love that because that is just, that needs to be put on more coffee bugs, right? <laughs> like, just emphatic, our God does as he pleases. What pleases our God? His glory. That doesn't make him conceited. Like if I were to say what pleases me, my glory, I, I like me some me. Um, we would look at someone and go, you have some issues to work through. But with God, it's not the case. Because he is supreme. There is nothing greater than him. Literally, what pleases him is his glory throughout all of the cosmos. And then Proverbs 16, 4. says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Sometimes we say, yeah, God's great, but man, when sin came in, it really threw him off, and it's just not the case. See, he's Lord even over sin. Sometimes sinful, bad things happen, and we go, why is that happening? And sometimes we don't see the bigger picture that God is still very much in control and very much in rule. If you've spent any amount of time with me or you've ever been in my office, I'm kind of a Roman nerd. Uh, I enjoy studying the culture, the history of it. Uh, I will acknowledge that empire and republic and kingdom did a lot of really bad things, um, really heinous things at times. But they were fairly advanced for their time. And one of the things that made them very advanced is they knew how to build roads. I know that sounds like a simple thing, and yet even in the States there's times where it's like, why isn't this working? Um, but they knew how to do it and do it really well. And they built a lot of them. And a lot of really bad things happened on some of those roads. There's one called the Appian Way. There were Thousands of people crucified along it at one point. Armies marched out to conquer people that didn't need to be conquered. You go, well, where is God in that? Well, God in his sovereignty, a little bit later after the death of Christ and ministry starts to happen, it starts to happen in that area. One of the reasons Christianity was able to spread so quickly is they used those same roads. What one person meant for wicked, God said, I'm going to use this to change this entire area for my glory. Like he is in control over everything. And then in Acts 17, 26, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. 
His power extends to the point that you are sitting in the exact seat in 2021 because he placed you here. And I'm kind of thankful for that, right? Like, I love the whole Roman culture and studying about it, but not a lot of working toilets back then. I'm kind of fond of this whole electricity bit and the internet, and that AC is really awesome right now. And you're doing a lot better because we didn't have them all turned on for the first service. So sorry about that first service. But his power extends literally to placing you where you were meant to be born. Because we also know in Scripture that it says he's prepared good works for us ahead of time. He placed you in the place that you are in right now to be the minister, the people that you need to be a minister to. That's the extent of his power. God is, because he's omnipotent, he is all power. He's all powerful over physics. I'm not joking. (laughs) Oh, Spirit didn't move for this one. When I said he's all powerful over physics in the first service, that light just fell over. Nobody touching it. We said the Spirit was moving and we all laughed and clapped. But he is absolutely over physics. Think of creation. Light didn't exist. Let there be light. And this prison-based thing just blasts out for everywhere. He's over that. He's over gravity. John Newton's sitting under a tree a long time ago. Apple falls. He figures out this thing, gravity, holding all this stuff together. And yet God has absolute control over something that we think is cosmic. How do we know that? If you read in the book of Joshua, there's a moment, there's a battle. And they need a little more time in this battle. And it says, the sun stood still in the sky. Now, we know today that the sun doesn't rotate around the earth. The earth rotates around the sun. What that means is the earth stopped spinning. Currently, you are spinning at about 1,000 miles an hour, unfelt. And if suddenly the earth just stopped like a brake being locked up, everyone would die, the entire earth. We would all be flung 1,000 miles an hour in a direction. Everything would end. And yet God goes, no, these people need a little more time. And he controls every molecule and he stops the earth. Sometimes we forget that we do believe in a good bit of supernatural. He's over all of that. He's over biology. Again, creation. What came first, the chicken or the egg? We'll ask God one day. But what I know is whether that was an egg that hatched or he just popped the chicken there, he's the one who just made that happen. Like, none of us just get to speak things into existence, right? We don't have that power. If we did, I'd be taller. And yet God goes, chicken, aardvark, platypus. Got to ask about that one. But he's over all of biology. Um, the story of Mary giving birth to Christ, I'm not going to get into a lot of biology there. But it just says the Spirit of God descended on Mary and she conceived a child. Even animals. In the Old Testament, there's a guy named Balaam who's kind of a really shady prophet. There's one day he's riding a donkey. And he's wanting to go one way. The donkey, seeing an angel, goes another way. And Balaam gets tired of it. And he gets off. And he starts to beat this animal. And then the donkey's like, hey, quit that. And like, just starts to talk. Um, what I love in the story is Balaam is not shocked. He just immediately gets into an argument with a talking donkey. I mean, it's like Shrek before it ever happened. Um, if you argue with an animal that starts talking, you've had a bad day and need to take a step back. But that donkey just started talking because God could command it. He's over... Physics, biology, time. So what does this mean for us? As we look at these things, I hope that this hopefully spurs a little bit of built worship. So what does his all-powerfulness mean to us? It means that his omnipotence extends to his ability to redeem lost souls. You can't fix yourself. You read all the health, self-help books or leadership books we want, we're still broken people. We don't do anything that can eventually get us. We can't buy salvation. No one can make enough money. No one can be powerful enough. But in his power, he made a way 
for souls to be redeemed, for people to have a relationship with him, to find forgiveness, to be made into a new life. Acts chapter, no, sorry, in John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus is talking. He says, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. That's a power that I'm unbelievably thankful for. I, I look at God's all-powerfulness, and it's, it's mind-blowing at times. He creates everything, and he creates it in order and in perfection. It's not a cosmos of chaos. There's obviously some order to this. But one of the things that I am most thankful for is that he made power to defeat sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life. We know from Scripture it says the wages of sin, the price of sin is death. And in his all-powerfulness, he sent his son, who is also God, who lived a perfect life and laid his life down for the ultimate sacrifice. And it's only through him, as the Father draws us, that we get to experience that kind of power the power that makes us into a new creation. I'm unbelievably thankful for it. So we have omnipotence. There's three of them. The second one is, I tell people, I have been doing this for a long time, and I still want to read this word as like omniscience. Um, and it's not, it's omniscience. Um, Psalm 147.5 says this, says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Omniscience is the fact that God is literally all-knowing in all things. His understanding is beyond measure. We love to measure knowledge, right? Like we, we love to say, learn different things. And you could take an IQ test and say, hey, mine's higher than yours. You can go to a school and get a degree. You can get more degrees. You can get PhDs. You can do all these things. We love to measure how much knowledge we have. We take tests, and yet with God it says it's beyond measure. Why? Because he literally knows everything. Everything at all times. In 1 John chapter 3, it's written, it says, For whatever our heart condones us, or for whenever our heart condones us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. The things that you struggle with, the things that you're dealing with, he knows that, he understands it. We serve a God who is all-knowing and has a plan. That's what I love about his knowledge. He's all-knowing and all-knowledge, every event at every time. His knowledge extends beyond what we can read in a book. Like, God understands the weather in ways that we don't because he creates it. If you ever looked at your dog and thought, I wonder what he's thinking, God knows. <laughs> he knows everything, he knows everything about you. Scripture would say he knows the number of hairs on your head and how that number is getting smaller. <laughs> He knows when birds are needing to be fed or when they've fallen out of the sky. His knowledge extends to everything, everywhere. And he has a plan. Nothing existed when God's plan was fully formed. That's mind-blowing to think about his knowledge. Nothing was in existence, and yet his plan was fully formed. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he didn't go, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. He already knew. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we've, we've used the term before the foundation of the earth. Here's my favorite one, Revelation chapter 13. 
Now, it's, it starts off a little weird. It's talking about the, like the beast. Um, this is like the end times kind of stuff. And you're like, that's a weird thing to talk about God's all-knowing. But here we go. Uh, it says, all who dwell on earth will worship it, meaning the beast. And then it says this, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life, the lamb who was slain. That means before all creation, before light existed, before the earth and the water and everything had been separated, names have already been written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who would be in Christ, it was already known to him. His knowledge is all-powerful and all-extending. His plan existed before everything else because nothing thwarts his plan. So what does this mean for us? A couple of things. If God's all-knowing, it also means he's all understanding. So he understands your pain. When you're going through a difficult time, he's empathetic with that. He hurts for you. He understands it. When you're going through trials and different things like that, he understands it. When we've got emotions pouring through us, man, it's going to be a busy week and got to take care of all these kids and, man, I'm worried about stuff. There's anxiety. He understands that. And so many times we forget that. And we try and run to ourselves and we try and run and fix it ourselves and we forget that we have a God who is all understanding, who can empathize with that and can help us walk through it. There's so many times when we have pain and we have emotions that's going on, we try and run this way and God's going, come here. I can help you with that. I understand because I am all knowing. And so... Another one, he's blessed us with the knowledge to know him. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourself. You have a God who created all of creation, who reigns supreme over all of it. And so many times we would think that would be a distant, far thing from us. And yet he gives us the knowledge to know him. Like if you were to go back to ancient times and say, hey, do you believe in the gods? They would say, yeah, we believe in Jupiter and we believe in Zeus and all this stuff. And they think, do you know them? Well, no. We believe in them, but we don't, we don't know them. They live atop the mountain and we don't go up there. And here the God that actually is the big G God created everything says, hey, I'm giving you the knowledge to know me. I'm giving you the knowledge to have a relationship with me. I'm giving you the knowledge to go into a time of worship and enjoy my presence. His knowledge extends to the point where he gives us the opportunity to know him. And another thing that I love about the fact that he's all-knowing, he's never surprised. There's never a random thing. There's never something that you do and he goes, oh, like I got I to gotta sit down and study on that a little bit. No, nothing is random for him. And the things that we look at in our lives so many times and we go, that was just some random event. Sometimes we don't realize that it is part of a much bigger plan. And sometimes you, you won't see that. There's, t- there's things that have happened in my life that I go, I know God's in control, and one day I'll ask him about it. It'll be on the other side in heaven. And then there are those times where you get to see what you thought was random was God moving you to exactly where you need to be. And I'm thankful I've got to see that at least once in my life. And I can tell you exactly why I am sitting here today in this exact chair. Years ago, when I was in high school, I bought a truck. I loved that truck. It was a 94 Ford Lightning. Um, no 16. I 
mom's going to watch this. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. Um, no 16-year-old ever needs one. Uh, when my parents were like, why does it say lightning on the side? I was like, ah, I think it's just a sticker. It's a sports truck. Um, it did get me into a lot of trouble, but it was awesome. It was very beautiful. Custom exhaust, souped-up parts, interior that was great. It had a cooler in the middle of it. That's the first thing I'm checking on my kids' cars when they get old enough. Um, but I loved it. In fact, I have a picture of it. There it is. I also picked that one because that's our kids' minister. <laughs> that's who's leading VBS. And uh, I messaged her last night. I was like, I'm throwing a picture of you from like high school up. Um, this is more to ask forgiveness and not um, permission. Um, but I loved that thing. I still love it today. If I could find one, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. But they've gone up in price a lot. I loved it even as I came over a hill one night after getting off work, and it was dark. I was leaving a little town called Madisonville, and I came over this hill, and right on the other side of that hill was this old farm truck and had no lights on. Dude was just driving a little ways trying to turn, and I smashed that thing into the back of his truck, sent him across the street. I think it bent his fender. It crushed mine. <laughs> like it veed the truck, got slung over to the side. Uh, my foot got thrown from the brake to the gas pedal. I mean, that's only that far, and it almost broke it. It was that much force, and that truck was gone, and I cried. <laughs> And then I got to get a new vehicle. And so, to date the story, I had just seen the first Fast and Furious movie, and I wanted a car like that. And so I started shopping around, and I found one. And I found this Toyota Celica, and it was in the Houston area. I drove down and looked at it, and it was way out of my price range, but it was exactly what I wanted. And I was disheartened. I was like, oh, I'm not going to find it. And a couple days later, I found the exact same vehicle in the Metroplex, in DFW, and it was in my price range. It was like eight grand cheaper. And so I drove up there. Talked to the people, test drove it, loved it, and said, hey, I've already been approved by the bank. I'm going to have you check in a couple of days. And the story ends there, right? It's just a kid buying his next vehicle. But I was in the Metroplex, and I knew my old student pastor lived somewhere in there. And if you've never been in DFW, it's kind of a big area. I didn't know where. And I called him and said, hey, I'm, I'm in this part. Are you close? He's like, man, I'm five minutes away. Come hang out. Let's hang out this afternoon. And so we went to dinner, and we went and just spent the afternoon together and talked and laughed and had a good time. Went back home. A couple days later, he called and said, hey, I was thinking, um, I've got some intern spots opening up this summer. You want to come intern for me? And I said, well, what does that entail? He's like, you'll lead some Bible studies, play basketball with kids. I'm like, sign me up. Um, I don't think he would have offered me that if I hadn't randomly showed up a couple days before. I'm, I'm very confident in that. And I went and interned at that church. And I interned there a couple of times. When I graduated, I had at least done a good enough job. They said, we want to bring you on staff. And I worked there for years, got to see God do some amazing things, got some great friendships. God moved me to Oklahoma, got to see some great things, found my wife. God moved us back to Texas. And uh, I remember getting a phone call of, hey, we want to interview you for a position at South Point. All from wrecking a truck. What I thought was just a random sad moment in my life, I did not realize God was maneuvering so many different things to bring me to this seat where I'm sitting right now, to be able to celebrate baptizing people in Abilene, Texas. There's nothing random for God because he is, in fact, all-knowing. And the last one is this. It's omnipresence. Psalm 139. I could read most of Psalm 139, but I'm going to cut it down some. Starting in verse 7. This is David talking. He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, 
you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Omnipresence just means that God is literally all together everywhere at the same time. His presence is everywhere. His presence was a thousand years ago. His presence, if he, it, even if he comes back, it's going to be here for all eternity. There is no place in all of time that is void of God's presence. What that means is there is no place in all of time that has not seen his glory. That's a big thing to try and wrap our minds around. Like right now, he is just as present in this room as he is across the globe. And thank God for that because there's people everywhere worshiping. It's not like he's confined to one spot and everybody's got a flock there. No, he is literally everywhere at all times. So what does that mean for us? Because that's all of these, if you really dwell on them, they're mind-blowing. And it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. So what does it mean for us that God is everywhere at all times? Here's what I found comforting this week. If God doesn't come back, and he, he, when he comes back, but if he chooses 50 years, a couple years from now, maybe 10 years from now, if God gives you 50 years from now, something's going to happen in your life that's going to be pretty hard. Like I've had to accept the fact that part of my job means I'm going to have to do funerals for people that I love. And on those days wherever it is in the future that that time is waiting where I have to say goodbye to someone that I care about, God is already there waiting on me. Saying, come on, I'm here to comfort. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to love you. And it's going to look like that for all of us. Something is waiting for you. It may be a career change. It may be a move to a new state. Something difficult is going to happen. And God is already there waiting on you. Let me love you. Let me care for you. And I find that very comforting. When we get there, remember that he's been waiting. And just let his presence cover you. So this week as we worship, I pray that we're reminded that we serve a God that is all-powerful. That we serve a God that is all-knowing and we serve a God that is all-everywhere at all times. He loves us deeply. He invites us into a relationship with him, and I pray that we will enjoy that deeply. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, as we reflect on you, God, you are, you are all-powerful, all-knowing. You're everywhere. If you weren't, you wouldn't be God. And so I'm thankful that you are. I'm thankful for your power, God. One of the biggest manifestations of that power, the fact that you loved us and you are powerful enough to bring us back to you. Because we are sinful people and we know that Scripture says that separates us from you. And there's nothing we can do on our own to get back. Being a good person doesn't do it. Going to church doesn't do it. It's only through your redeeming power, through your son, Jesus Christ. If there's anyone that's here today or listening online and never said, hey, I, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, I need him to come into my life and fulfill me and forgive me. If every time we say Jesus' name, something stirs in you, you know that's the Holy Spirit moving. And if you've never made that personal today, I would encourage you to say, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you, the all-powerful God. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to turn away from my old life, and I want to follow him. 
If you prayed that this morning, it's online or here, we want to celebrate that. I'd encourage you, put that on a connect card. Come talk to me. We love when God is moving and redeeming. God, as we go out this week, I pray that we would make your name known. That name that is above all names, and rightly so. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.